Welcome to another conversation with the GAM episode. Today, I talk with Steven Scansarelli, or Scans as he likes to be called, about the Disc Golf Player Management Group. Now, according to their site, DGPM was created out of the necessity to provide representation, leadership, and advocacy for professional disc golfers. Within this continuously growing industry, it is important that a company representing the top professional athletes of disc golf be deeply involved within both the industry and the sport itself. They will include career management, seeking out new endorsement opportunities, player management in areas such as social media, website development, branding, and above all else, enabling professional disc golfers to obtain the quality of life they deserve. Now, in our conversation, I asked Scans why he feels players in the sport of disc golf need an agency like DGPM, even though there have been others that have tried. We also dive into his advice for players that are trying to make it in disc golf, and then we learn more about Scans the person. Please be sure to subscribe and then tell your friends about the Disc Golf Answerman podcast so they can learn more about the people in disc golf that make this sport amazing. And real quick, a big shout out to our Patreon supporters. Their monthly support help pay for the technology needed to produce this show. Now, here's my conversation with Scans. All right, Mr. Scans, how are you doing this evening? I am fantastic. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Had a busy day working on the Disc Golf Answer Man podcast and did some other uh, social media work for a, a gym out here in Tulsa. So busy day, but I'm glad to be on the phone with you and to learn a little bit about what's going on in your world. So real quick, just in case anybody hasn't heard about it, I can't imagine if they've kept up with the disc golf world, they have not heard about what's going on with the disc golf player management group, but kind of just give us the elevator pitch of what it is you're doing. Sure. So DGPM group, or like you said, disc golf player management group, um, we are here to help elevate players. Um, We are helping them negotiate and navigate their contracts and the companies. Uh, And then we take it a step further by helping them with their social media, um, doing graphics, doing videos, uh, helping them understand the the stats behind it, all that kind of stuff. Uh, We can even build player websites to sell their gear. Uh, And then we go on to the next level, which is um, we have a bunch of partnerships that we've partnered with for like um, tax accountants, LWS, um, for they specify and are really good with disc golfers and know all the ins and outs of traveling and how to work with them. Uh, We've partnered with Allison Kennan from um, Edward Jones to do financial planning. Uh, And again, it's just to to help the industry and help uh, these players understand and kind of secure their future. Now, is this something that you do outside of disc golf? Uh, no, this is something that I started for disc golf specifically. Oh, what what do you do outside of disc golf as a career? Uh, so for my career, I am actually a director of user experience. Um, so my job is actually to go gather data, take that data, design and develop an experience, and then have that experience built. Um, so uh, having a background in um, human behavior uh, really gives an edge in this type of business. I would imagine. Now, when you say user experience, like, I, get, I mean, it, that sounds very vague, I guess, that I go out and get data <laughs> and I create wonderful user experiences. Like for yeah. who is the user? Who's your end customer? Yeah. So it's really HCI or human computer interaction. Uh-huh. So that's what I set for my primary, uh, what I went to school for. Uh-huh. Um, so it's really like, so like you open an app on your phone and you have to create an account. So that create an account experience 
that's the type of thing that I design and I test it with you. Can, can, can you do it? Can you upload your photo? If you can't, I take it back and I find a better way to do it. So then you can go ahead and make sure that's successful. So as software is improving, it's because you have a user experience team behind it that's doing all the research putting out new designs, testing it to make sure it's going to be successful. Then they pass it on to development for it to be built. So it sounds like every time I try to log into my uh, certain apps and I can't get through, I need to come straight to you and complain to you about it. Or <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I work for a specific company, but yeah, you, sure. every company usually has a user experience or some sort of design department and it's their job to make sure that that they do those things. I gotcha. I got to tell you though, yeah. and this is kind of a side thing, but I, it's like when that does happen, like literally just happened today with, uh, what was the app I was using? LastPass is like my uh, my uh, password vault. It was yeah. like giving me a loop of trying to log me in and then not taking password. Anyway, I was so frustrated. I was like, who do I yell at? I want to yell at somebody because this isn't working. Uh, but yeah. anyway, so, well, that's that's interesting. So, but how did, okay. So obviously you, you play disc golf. So you're in the disc golf world. How long have you been playing disc golf? Uh, it's been five-ish years. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I was actually in the software world. I, one of my bosses didn't want to have a meeting in the office. He said, let's go throw Frisbees and talk about this idea. And I was like, what do you mean throw Frisbees? He <laughs> took me out to a, to a course and he's like, here, take these five discs and we'll just talk and you throw them. And I was like, what do you mean throw them? Like, what am I doing here? <laughs> and, no, it's just like golf. You know, you, you want to, here's a par here, you know, here's a putter, here's a driver. I was like, what is going on? And then we played like four holes and I'm like, I need to do this for my life. And that, that was the end of me. I had 400 discs in like three weeks. That's not even an exaggeration. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I, I've heard that story over and over again. People just get hooked as soon as they throw that first disc, they get yep. hooked. And I will tell everybody, I, 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 maybe I should, I should maybe have you take a picture of the wall. Cause you and I have had a, a meeting prior, uh, a few weeks ago and we had a zoom meeting and I was uh, amazed by your disc wall. Just I only saw three walls, I think, but they were completely full of discs. And I imagine yeah, I only saw part of it. Yeah, I have over 450 professional signed discs. That's kind of how, like, I started that pretty much instantly. Um, Will Schusterick, Drew Gibson, Seppo, Vanessa, Reed, they all were, like, staying at my house. Uh, and then I was like, hey, the only thing I want from you guys is a signed disc. So now anyone time, anytime someone stayed at the house, I would get a signed disc, and then it became an addiction. Oh, and wow. It just, yeah. That's awesome. So it sounds like you are among those that are really obsessed with the sport of disc golf. And I would imagine that's played into your role of what you're doing now with this agency, but kind of give us the the story of how you kind of creeped into this as far as representing these players. Yeah, it was kind of see a need, fill a need type, type thing. You know, if you've ever seen that movie robots. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was working with Drew. Um, he came to me and kind of, we became really good friends and he came to me and asked about, you know, I really want to start Gibson Industries. How, how do we go about, what do you think about going about doing that? And we just kind of tag teamed on it and we did his logo. We built the brand. I built him a website. We put gear on it. We worked with Infinite to like get the gear on there, drop ship by them. Um, and we just, lots of little angles. Uh, and then he started coming to me with his contract questions. You know, what do you think about this? What do you think? Should I do this? Should I do that? And then we both kind of had an aha moment where we were like, the industry really needs this. We should like, this full service, not just negotiating my contract, is is super important. Um, and it kind of just took off from there. And when I started developing a business plan around it, and I started thinking about it and like what to do, how to do it. Um, and then 2021 rolled around and, and we just decided, let's just give this season 
a full test and see how it goes. Um, and Drew became more successful. I loved it. It was it was really fun to me. I was really good at all the angles that that needed to be covered. Um, and I started building a little team around me of people that I trusted and knew had the skill set to, you know, elevate the business. Uh, and then at the end of the season, we just decided to open the barn doors and they're coming and knocking. So wow. <laughs> working that's, out. that's really cool. I love how I love the beginning stories of like that, where it's just like, I see a need, I have a skill set, and I want to fill that need. But let me ask you this. Have you heard of a group called the DGI group? I have. Yep. And uh, I mean, I remember, of course, being in disc golf, working at Dynamic Discs that I remember that was a big deal. The agency came along, they helped uh, Paul Macbeth with a few things, and um, they were going to set to be this type of player representation for uh, or an agency for player representation. But I, when I go to their site, I don't see anything posted since like, I think 20, 2018. Um, yeah, right. well, it. yeah. Well, what are your thoughts as, as far as, um, them trying it and then not succeeding, or maybe, maybe something's going on in the background and we just don't know. Maybe we, they just aren't as vocal as they used to be, but did that give you any pause to, to starting this agency? Uh, zero. So a um, couple things. One, we, you know, a, a good business always does competitive analysis. So we went, we searched, we looked for any, we looked under every rock to see what we could find. We found two or three companies out there. Obviously, DGI was one of them. Um, I, I do not know what happened with them. I could not find any activity. Um, I honestly believe it was just too early. Mm-hmm. Um, the market wasn't ready. The money wasn't there. Jeff Spring hadn't taken over. Like the growth it was starting. They were just, they were just too early in my opinion. Um, and now with everything turning and the purses rising and so much being invested and outside sponsors coming, everything is just kind of set up for success. Nice. Now you said that, uh, you think you and Drew thought it was time for, for this. Why do you think this is important for, I mean, I, I, I can understand why it's important for the players. I mean, and we'll, we can get into that because I've, I've talked to players before and I know that this has been a topic between uh, myself and other players, but why do you, what, what do you think this is important for disc golf to have you as for the lack of a better term, a middleman between the player and manufacturers or future sponsors? Yeah, sure. I mean, with any company or any industry that's growing by leaps and bounds, like it's happening so fast that no one can keep up. Um, there's no one in the middle holding each other accountable, right? Um, a company might grow 500%. Well, why doesn't the player's salary see any of that, right? Why, why aren't they being compensated based on how the company is doing, right? Um, so all of those little things kind of play into the growth model here. Uh, and we're we're not for one side or the other. We're trying to elevate all sides. You know, we tell, we tell the manufacturers, hey, listen, I, I know you might not like us here, but our job is also to hold the player accountable. When you put in their contract, they need to post three times or do one video a month. It's our job to make sure the players are producing those and producing them at quality. Mm-hmm. You don't have to chase it down anymore. Um, so like we're trying to help both sides of the coin and we're trying to help elevate the industry. We're not just behind our players saying, okay, guys, we're going to get you the most money possible. That's really not what we're about here. We're about making everyone on both sides held accountable make sure we understand each other's values based on the data we have, player comparisons, all of that stuff, and then kind of moving it forward as one package. That's interesting. I'm glad that that's, uh, I like that because uh, it does kind of feel like 
um, it was just for the players. But I like that you added that it, you help keep the players accountable. Have have you now speaking of manufacturers and sponsors? Because um, this is you know this is a new thing. This is kind of a, a brand new thing, or at least it's kind of like you said, the DGI group and some of the others were a bit too early. And I remember discussing it uh, and when I was working at Dynamic Discs and remember thinking that, that, wow, this is this is too much too soon. But now it's starting to feel right, as you said. But have you received any pushback from any manufacturers as you start talking to them about players? Um, usually the first communication is a little wishy-washy with everyone because they're, wait, they're like, wait, who are you and why are you representing my, this player that we are currently in contract with? Like, and it's more of like a feeling out once, once I get someone on the phone or a video call, uh, that all goes away because I can, I can explain who we are, what we're doing, what our purpose is. We're not here to steal money from them. We're here to elevate and elevate the game. And so far at the end of every conversation, everyone's like, I get what you're doing and we appreciate it. Mm. We might not like you, but we appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, is there, is there like, um, when, when you're talking to these people, has there been, but has there been any, any instances where, they aren't on board for it. And, and how do you overcome that? Yeah. I mean, we've had a couple back and forth that where people are like, sorry, we're just going to deal with player X. Like we're not going to talk to you. Uh, and then, you know, our job is to be like, well, our job is to remove the stress from our players mm-hmm. and it, they don't want to communicate with you. They want to just talk to us and have us do that. So you need to respect that if you want them to be your player. Um, so it's just kind of explaining the boundaries and understanding it. We have, we have yet to be stuck at a point where they refuse to do it. Um, there's been a couple of times where I'll be like, okay, I, I agree. How about we all get on the phone and we can talk as a trio or a foursome or whoever you need to bring from your team so you can understand where player stands, where DGPM stands and, wh- and what we're after. And, and usually after that point, after the first call, everyone is just, they're at ease. They understand we're not attacking them. We're not just doing money grubbing from the pockets. We're actually really, really trying to make sure both sides find an equal ground, right? When you started doing that, did you were you surprised or had you already in your mind knew that that was going to be the case? I knew there'd be some inherent risk, but yeah. like I said, I have a really unfair advantage with my human behavior background, like understanding tones of voice, watching body movement in chairs. Like I can understand when I say something and someone's uncomfortable with it and I can say it in a different manner or I can use another analogy that will make them more comfortable. Like, you know, if you're talking to Drew, you want to talk in basketball analogies, right? Because he loves hoops. Right. right? So you, you need to understand the person you're talking to and make the content relatable to them. And once they can relate to it, they say, oh, I get it. Uh, and that, that's just that's the challenge I have is to find out what I can, how I can relate it to them and, and how they think. You, you reminded me of that TV show. I think it was called Lie to Me, where he was <laughs> he uh, that's what he's saying. It was like a human lie detector. And uh, oh, okay. it was kind of like a it was a like a it was a crime drama, like a police yeah. crime drama. But his stick was he was like a human lie detector and he would he would use people's uh, how they they're even the, the what did he call a micro micro tells or something like that. Like just the, the slightest move of their eyebrow or the slightest look away or their oh, way they yeah, adjust themselves in a chair. He would figure yeah. out if they're lying or not. 
And and remember, I, I'm trained this way because I talk to thousands upon thousands of users gathering their feedback. Yeah. Right. So my job is to make sure I bring the honest feedback and truthful feedback to the teams. And that's why uh, that's why I had to learn that skill. So what is the data that you see with disc golfers as you're getting more and more into this and talking to players? What what, what data in your mind are you gathering as far as what is the mindset of the disc golf player that's trying to make it in disc golf right now? That's a really intriguing question. You know, I think data and I just I instantly go to my data team where we're talking about, you know, what hole did you play worst on tour? Because we're going to fix that up next year and you're not going to throw a seven on that hole for four rounds so you can win. Um, so when you say data, that's what I think. That was a really hold on. I'm going to think about this one. OK, <laughs> well, I just like you like um, I've talked talking about, about I, I get it. Like, right. Yeah. I, I understand you're after. Um, I just think players have come to the realization that there is money in this industry and they don't quite know how to get after it. And I think that's another reason why they turn to people like DGPM. And, and, I, and I promise you others are going to pop up. Yeah. And, I, and, you know, I welcome competition because competition just elevates everyone. Sure. Um, I, I don't want to own the market. I can't, you know, we can't support thousands of players. Like there's plenty, like I, I, I encourage it. And I'll even talk to people about our model and how we're doing it. I won't give away our trade secrets, but like, um, yeah, there's just, there's a lot of trends going on. And I think it's just about the players um, finding their knack and understanding their value. So, you know, some think they're overvalued, right? Some think they're undervalued uh, and teaching them their balances is really where we're, where we succeed. So you've been in the sport for about, a, about five years. Um, what would you say, and maybe you haven't encountered this, but I've encountered this quite a bit uh, on the disc golf answer man and other arenas as far as disc golf, but there's a subset of people now there's, I think as the sport grows and as new for lack of a better term, again, a new blood is coming into the sport that are used to watching other sports. But there's a sentiment that we shouldn't be making money off disc golf, that that was one of the allures of disc golf as it was free. I could go out and play, you know, I spend maybe 20, 25 bucks and I could go play on a public park. But there does seem to be a shift happening where uh, people are realizing there's money to be made. There's money that can be made. And, and I guess what would you tell that subset of people that think that everything should still be free? I mean, you can still have your free disc golf anywhere you go, right? Yeah. No one's taken you. There are so many public courses. I mean, there is 37 courses within an hour from my house and more than half of them are public and free, yeah. right? So we're not, we're, I don't think the industry is taking that from them at all. I mean, we're encroaching, sure, but you don't have to pay if you don't want to. I, I understand with the, you know, DGN and, and pay to watch disc golf. I can understand kind of like how that hurts, but you need to support the industry you love. Otherwise it can't grow. Yeah. I'm more than happy to pay extra for my USDGC coverage, right? It's phenomenal to watch. It's great golf. The coverage is amazing. The, the announcers are amazing. Um, I'm all about spending money to help our industry grow. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't, I don't see that being a problem. I, I would love to talk to some of them honestly and, and get their feedback and understand why they think that way and like what we can do to, to help. Um, yeah, I agree. As someone who I remember back in the day when I would drive eight hours to go cover a, a, a tournament and I would get paid $50 in a few discs. I agree with you wholeheartedly that you've got to support <laughs> the people that are bringing you stuff like this, uh, the media and of course, agencies like yourself and the players that are bringing the entertainment to you. Uh, I think we need to be ready to uh, support them in any way we can. 
So another thing that we get a lot on the disc golf answer, and I'm imagining you are gathering a lot of this data as you talk to players and learn more about this aspect is that a lot of people want to know, I'm good at disc golf. I'm getting really good. I'm good at my local course. I'm, you know, winning tournaments. I'm thinking about going on tour. I'm thinking about seeking out sponsorship. What advice would you give that young disc golfer that's thinking about making this a career? There are always local pros that you need to listen to and look up to, right? We have some incredible guys here in Massachusetts and New Hampshire who are cream of the crop. Uh, and we have a lot of young guns that are coming up, uh, kind of doing their own thing. And like, I can see the older guys that have been doing it really, really, really well. And these younger guys talking to them and starting to take notes from them. Uh, so really just look, look to your local pro and talk to them. Like they're open. They want to teach you. They, they you know, like, that's, that's why they're the local pro. They, they love that stuff. Leverage them, talk to them. I guarantee you, they will help you. And if you're willing to listen and take advice, they'll make you more successful than you are right now. I promise. Now, how would you suggest they approach it when it comes to the, the sponsorship question of, of approaching manufacturers looking to get some help to get out on the road? Oh, I, okay. I see where you're, I see where you're going. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, that, that's a tougher boundary to break. Uh, and we haven't played, we haven't played that game very much. Uh, usually there are scouts that handle that and they're like looking out, you know, they see the Heather Young's coming up, the Casey White's coming up, the Cole Allen's coming up uh, and people are watching them. Um, and it still stems from local promotion and then, um, you know, online presence. And then basically what happens is they just end up reaching out to manufacturing and they, and they present a disc golf resume and they say, here's what I've accomplished. Here's where I am. Here's where I've been. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, and, and that's, the, that's the best way in at that level. Yeah. Um, I agree. Cause that, a lot of times we would get that question uh, a lot. And I would tell people that you need to worry about what you can give back to your local disc golf community because People are watching. They think they're not watching, but they're watching. And we know names. We uh, hear about people, uh, especially with uh, uh, the connections we had with the RV drivers and stuff like that. They would relay information to us and and we would be watching and discuss people, even though you don't know that we're discussing your name. So um, do what you can to make your mark on the local community. And I promise you, you'll make a mark in the bigger, bigger arena of disc golf. For um, sure. Oh, sorry. I was gonna say, if you look at those local pros, you know, most of the young kids that come up end up their first sponsors usually end up being the local pro sponsor, right? Because that's how they get introduced. Uh, and then they once they get big enough or not big enough, they, you know, they stay or they move on. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. So I had another question to kind of escape my mind and see if I can think of it. Another question about uh, uh, sponsorship. Maybe, maybe, maybe it'll come back to me. Um, so is there anything, oh no, that's what it is. Where do you see, oh no, let me, let me digress. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> I do that a lot on the show. Um, I've often thought and discussed this with other people is that in other sports, we hear about, like we're hearing it now, like we heard about Paul Macbeth and the 10 million, 10 year deal. We've heard a little bit about Drew Gibson and the multi-million dollar deal. We got to see Latitude 64 announced 500,000 for four years we're starting to know somewhat of these people's salaries. Do you think that's, and, and in other sports, we know that we know when somebody, you know, gets signed for millions of dollars of deals. Now we don't know everybody's little salary because, you know, it's not as big deal for someone to make a couple million. Now they've got to be making tens of millions, but do yeah. you think that that's an important part? Do you think that's needed? Do you think that's just 
for sensationalism or, or do you think that's going to eventually happen in disc golf? Uh, so my gut reaction is the big contracts are announced because the companies want to wow you, right? right. They want you to out their big contracts. If they weren't big contracts and they were just paying these people, these players, like the average amount, they would, they would not announce it. It would just go unsaid. Um, I do think the market is going that way. And I do think it will help level everything eventually because right now we have to find all that data and the data is privy to DGPM, right? So like we know what certain players make because we've talked about it. We've seen contracts, we've discussed them. We understand players values. We know what tier players should be making what, uh, and we bring that to other companies when we're, when we're making offers, uh, and we know the approximate value that they're worth. Um, so that knowledge to be public would be, I mean, beneficial to everyone because then there'd be no guessing games. There'd be no hurt feelings. There'd be no, you know, I know I'm, I should be, you know, I'm equal to this. I, I do all the same things. I should be making the same amount of money. And, and that's that. Um, so if you're asking me if I think it should happen, I would like it to happen. I think it would make everyone's life easier. It might put us out of business, but hey, I don't know. <laughs> I think that that's, in, that's interesting though, that you bring that up because, you know, we don't know. The big, you know, uh, company A doesn't know what company B is paying their big pers- big top player, unless, of course, they announce it. But if they don't, yep. they don't know. And so it's almost like it does help the players to know they're valued. So you're, in a sense, and like you said, you gather data. You're gathering a lot of data and you're starting to realize what companies are paying individuals. And you are getting a better understanding of whether that's undervaluing them or overvaluing them. And then right. I guess what my question to you, though, is how, what goes into that equation to say, oh, you're getting underpaid or wow, you're getting overpaid. We'll stick with that deal. Yeah, there, there I mean, there's so many variables and it's and it's actually variable to player, too. Right. Yeah. Um, might be incredible at social media and have such a presence. Uh, and then someone might be just straight fire on the course, but doesn't have a single post ever. Um, so you got to weigh them. You got to weigh all the variables against each other and make sure that they match and you're not putting forth false data. Right. The last thing I want to do is overvalue someone and bring that offer to a company because that does no one any justice. Right. I've had conversations with players where they're like, I'm worth this. And I'm like, you're not worth that. I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, let's, let's go back to the drawing board and, and let's find out why you think you're worth that. And then we have to break it down. And we talk about, you know, you know, I actually want to see what you paid in touring costs for gas to get here to there. And what were your hotel? And then I can budget your life. And once we understand your budget, we can get a reasonable value for you. Right. So I just, that's another value we bring to the company is like, we're not just picking numbers out of hats or, or out of thin air. Uh, we're basing it all based on hard numbers that we do that we calculate with our players. Oh, I that and yeah it sounds like there's more to it and you said that before there's a lot more to managing the player than just getting them the big money it's figuring out how to uh keep them on the road with the money that they're making uh now and into the future um another question i had that I i want your opinion as you're getting into this world of managing players and representing players is so and I keep going back to my days at Dynamic Discs, but I mean, that's just the the experience that I know is that when we would, there would be times around this time period, the off season, yep. the time that people are shifting, shuffling around or possibly shuffling around where we would have players come visit Emporia or I would be on the phone talking with them uh, about their social media. Um, and they were with company A and they were thinking about coming over to us, Dynamic Discs. Um, but we had to keep it a secret, right? Because we didn't want to upset company A. We didn't want them to let them know what was going on. Maybe they knew, did know, but 
Um, but what are your thoughts on, okay, I'll just put it to you this way. There was one time we had a player come visit us and the idea came up to show this player on video, throwing our stuff before they even moved over or even had thought about moving over. Yeah. And everybody was like, whoa, we can't do that. That's, that's not, that's not how you do it. What are your thoughts? Do you think that will, do you think it's a good thing? Do you think we'll eventually get to something like that where we will know when a company, another manufacturer is poaching on another player from, from another manufacturer? So I was actually going to bring this up when we were talking about the pay scales and public and private. Um, You know, if you think of any other business anywhere, like you don't go around your office talking about how much you make to your fellow employees, right? right? You just don't. Um, If you're interviewing at another company, you don't be like, hey, boss, hey, I'm going to go interview. (laughs) Most people don't be like, hey, I'm going to go over next door and I'm going to interview with, you know, company X because they have free bagels on Mondays. Like, you don't, you don't do that kind of stuff. So like, I'm t- I'm kind of torn here mm-hmm. um, with this one because it's like it's privy, but I can tell you how I do business, and I am wide open. I am I do not hide anything. I I tell everyone that every conversation we have is NDA. You know, uh, our industry is very gossipy, right? Everyone likes to talk. Everyone likes to text someone as soon as someone knows something, and then it spreads like wildfire. Uh, nothing will ever come out of DGPM. Nothing. We don't even talk between our players with contracts or any of that. Like we don't, I don't want to be in that business of spreading information. I, I'm just going to be open and honest. So if I have a player and they're interested in company X and company Y, I'm just like, Hey, I have this guy. He's interested in these two companies. We're talking to both of you. Let's go. Mm. I like that. I like that. Right. I also say we're not going to pit offers against each other. So like if you come, you know, 10 grand higher and you're 10 grand lower, I'm not going to be like, Hey, he came in 10 grand higher can you match that or we're gone? Like, I don't want to play that game. Like yeah. I, know what their value is. I told you what their value is. You either meet it or you don't. And we move from there. That, and that's the end of it. Hmm. I like that. That's very good. That's a good approach. I like that very much. Well, wow. That's interesting. I learned a lot more about, hopefully our listeners learned a lot more about what you got going on with the DGPM. But as always with this interview or my conversations with people, uh, I also want to get to know you a little bit more. And so I have my five questions that I like to ask if you're ready to go. Fire one ready. All right. So, so Stephen, and it doesn't have to apply to disc golf and and apply anywhere in your life, but what are you learning right now? How awesome you are. I like that answer. <laughs> oh, you mean, uh, I mean, just right now, right? That's in the moment. I, yeah. That's I'm impressed with you, man. I, I I like the way you speak. I like your cadence. I like your questioning. I can clearly tell you're taking notes and like following up with questions that you have. It's you're, I like it. Oh, okay. okay. Other than that, what, what's something else in your life that you're learning right now? I mean, I, this is a tough one for me. I'm never not learning. Uh, this is going to sound crazy. I've never read a book for fun. I only read books to learn stuff. Mm, mm-hmm. um, so no matter what I'm doing, like my stats guys are out doing st- statistic things that I don't understand. And I want to know what they're doing. So when company Y says, hey, scans, how did you get that data? I can be like, well, my data guys pulled it. And here's where they got it from and, how, and here's how they got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know nothing about social media, but my 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 director, Alex Cash, is out there and he's showing me stats. I'm mind blown of the stats that <laughs> on 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 the social stuff and so like i want to learn that now and uh i don't have the time um <laughs> but like I, i'm always getting my hands dirty in something i i my brain never stays quiet it's always whatever is in front of me 
Um, and, and I'm always trying to uh, pull out whatever, whatever it is to learn more. I like that. I'm always of the growth mindset as well. I always say, if you're not learning, you're not growing. If you're not growing, then you're dying. And then, you know, obviously nobody wants to be dying, but yeah, always grow. And, and I'm the same way. I do not read, uh, uh, fiction books. I cannot get into books. I don't know how people, I just get bored. I'm like, I, I should be doing something more productive. I should be learning something. I should be figuring something out. Uh, yeah, I'm the same way. My, any books that I'm reading is typically self-help books or something on social media or some sort of marketing book. I'm, I'm kind of the same way in that, that boat. So Great. my next question is, how has failure uh, shaped your life? Hmm. So what's funny is, um, you know, we talked about how I'm a director of user experience and I have design teams underneath me uh, and I have a very lean methodology and that is based on fail fast, fail often. It's mm. the quickest way to success. Um, so I literally teach my teams to fail as humanly fast as possible because that's how we'll get the best designs. Um, wow. So failure is my life, right? That's yeah. what makes us like, uh, you know, I started DGPM like we... I had to fail and like struggle with a million things before I got good at it. Right. That's why it took me from 2020 to end of 2020. So almost two years to like get my vision, right. Get the business plan in line and, and make sure like testing, you know, I, you know, I, you know, Drew was amazing for letting me test all this stuff on him. Um, but like having that process to test it and, and him allowing me to fail and, 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 be malleable along the way was, was awesome. You know, yeah. so I'm, I'm lean UX fail fast, fail often. So if that's such an important thing, why do you think people are so scared to put themselves out there and fail? Uh, I said something the other day about this and I loved it. I said, failure is a mindset. It's not a result of an action. Hmm. Unpack that for me. Yeah. So like it, if I go and I walk outside and trip, like did I fail at walking or did I do I need to learn better observation skills? And like, maybe I need to look down while I'm walking or like, you know, think about skiing. Like you, you're never supposed to be looking, you know, you got to have your path before you get there when you're skiing. Um, so just that kind of, you know, thought process of, of making sure you're out ahead of where you are. Play chess, not checkers. Yeah. I like that. Uh, number three, who do you know that whom I should know? Ooh, how about Doug Flutie? Oh, you know who Doug Flutie? I've heard the I've, the name sounds familiar. I can't place where the I met him. Throwing the hair, hail mary for BC. Ah, he was a local to my high school. My dad actually taught at Natick High School, and they diagnosed that he was colorblind in my father's class. And uh, that was that was my claim to fame forever. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice, nice. Okay, so okay, now you say um, the, my next question is: What are you reading, or maybe what are you listening tonight that I should read or listen? Uh, good question. Um, I always go back to a book called Don't Make Me Think uh, by Steve Krug, I think his name is. Uh, and it's actually about human computer interaction. But if you read it, you'll see so many parallels to like how I run DGPM, how I, how I do anything in life, really. Like I don't. Yeah, I, I mean, I just. I like the way that book is written. I like all the methodologies that come out of it. Um, strive for excellence, you know, make sure everything is simple enough that it's easy to understand. It doesn't confuse people, um, all of that kind of stuff. Now, do you find yourself, do you, do you find it hard to, cause you said, you said, um, make things simple, simple enough for people to understand. Do you find it, 
hard to do that to make make things simple enough for people to understand, or is that or is that easy to do? Uh, since I've been doing it for twenty years, it's relatively easy for me to do once I understand the audience. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a complicated task. But when you have the right avenues and right support system and the right people around you, um, it really is not a hard thing to do. So let me ask you this, and this is kind of a sidetrack, but you, but I'm, I I find it interesting. I I think data is interesting. I think it data. You know, I I've, obviously that's what makes Facebook that would, and that's part of social media. You know, yeah. things are doing. They're gathering data. Google is like crunching every, every second going by. They're crunching data and making new decisions, and then crunching data based off that. Yep. Um and. So I find it interesting. The data is so when you meet. Okay, so you've been doing this for twenty years. So when you meet someone new, are you yeah. are you automatically in mode of figuring them out? Yeah, yeah, it just happens naturally. Like you'll met, you don't know what happens. And here's another thing about me: I love everyone for who they are. Yeah, I like. I, it might seem like I'm judging you, but like I'm just learning who you are so I can interact with you on a more personal level. Like I'm sure you've heard of Meyer Briggs or like yeah. all these like personality tests, like I've taken them all. I've had my employees take them. So I know that you're like an IN whatever. And, in you know, so we can work better. And I know how to say things to you versus like, you know, I'm a type A. So like, I just want a bulleted list of things. Don't send me a big email with lots of words. I'm not going to read it. I don't have the time. Send me a bulleted <laughs> list for things and I'll get those things to you immediately. But if you give me a swamp of, of an email, you've lost me. Yeah. Um, so like, Understanding those little nuances makes interacting with people so much easier. Do you find yourself, though, maybe too quickly putting people into certain categories and then treating them based on that category? Sometimes, but, you know, I just wait for them to prove me right or wrong and it's all, it's all good. You know, how often do they get do they do do you get proven wrong? Not very often. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes you successful at what you do then, I guess. huh? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I think I just think that's so interesting because, you know, the, the, it, it it makes me think of the old saying, you never get a second chance at a first impression. And, yeah, yep. and I'm thinking, you know, certain people have that at certain levels, you know, based off the way they look, the way they're dressed, the way they talk, the way they yep. look at you or don't look at you. But it sounds like you have a sense of go, you go even deeper than those layers. Um, yeah, like having a bad day just by your first word you say to me like before you finish the first word i know if you're in a good mood or a bad mood and that will change how i interact with you because if you're in a bad mood i have to decide am i going to cheer them up or do i do they need space so i can you know i'll just say cool man catch me later or you know so like all that stuff processes in milliseconds yeah that's i find that so fascinating um okay so okay but does that translate into like i'm assuming that would translate into you being a quote-unquote good salesman yeah, so that was funny when I was on the uh, Foundation podcast. All, all the comments were, "This guy's a good salesman." I'm like, <laughs> sales in my entire life, I've never sold anything. <laughs> Interesting. No, oh, yeah, okay. I've never. I have no interest in it at all. I got you. Okay, so last question uh, for my t uh, five questions is: What have What have you done that I should do? How about play ice hockey goalie? Whoa. That sounds dangerous. <laughs> I I, uh, I am an avid ice hockey goalie. I I before I tore my ACL, I was playing twice a week. So what is it? What does it take to be a good ice hockey goalie? Everything, balance, <laughs> timing, reaction speeds. You know, being able to read plays, um, all that good stuff. Yeah. How, how cumbersome is it to be in that outfit with all that padding on? 
Oh my God, it's a pain, but it's fun. I love it. Getting frozen biscuits shot at your face at a hundred miles an hour. There's nothing better. Okay. So have you had an injury? Have you had a puck come at you and hit you where it shouldn't hit you? Oh yeah. Everywhere. <laughs> you know, like, so my, my chest protector is made of Kevlar and like I play with guys that shoot so hard that I'll still get bruises on my chest through the Kevlar chest protector. Are you kidding me? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so what's been, what was your worst experience as a ice hockey goalie? I mean, losing 12 nothing probably. <laughs> 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 but no injuries or anything other than, you know, the torn AC or whatever, but that. But oh, any, no. any in injuries or anything like that? Oh, yeah, I've broken my hand. I've torn my shoulder, my labor. I, you name it, I've, I've heard it. Now, do you get into fights like I've seen ice hockey players do? Oh, of course. Not anymore. I'm too old for that. But back, back in the day, for sure. I mean, that seems like it's part of what you pay the ticket to go watch is to see somebody fight somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> it's always funny when the goalies go at it. That's for sure. Yeah, that's interesting. All right. Well, man, I appreciate you taking the time this evening. Uh, I know you got some stuff going on uh, personally over the next couple of weeks, but I appreciate you taking the time to get on the phone and having my listeners learn a little bit more about DGPM and of course about you. And I ever since being in disc golf and, and growing my own business in disc golf and doing what I did, I love seeing new ventures like this. I love when disc golf pro tour was growing. I love when I saw uh, Jomez growing. And so this is something new that I know we've needed for a little while. And I'm glad to see someone like yourself in charge of this and putting it together. And of course I wish you all the best of luck. And I think I, I based off talking to you, I know that the players are happy. I know that you're going to put in the work and I think it's going to be super successful. And I think we're going to see a lot more coming from you guys. Awesome. What, I appreciate it. Yeah. What, where can people find out more information about the DGPM group? Uh, we do have a website, dgpmgroup.com. Um, you can email us at info at dgpmgroup.com. Uh, we're also on Facebook at DGPM group uh, and also on Instagram at uh, DGPM underscore group. And then if I was a player that like, okay, I've been doing this for, I've been grinding the road. I'm ready to have somebody represent me. What are, give me, can, can you give me three things they need to have ready to go to even be able to have someone like yourself represent them? For sure. I mean, we, we, the base is basically we're looking to make sure you're on tour for at least 80% of the tour, okay. uh, around a thousand or more rated. Um, we have a couple players under, um, but it's, it's about potential. Uh, and then it's about personality, right? We're not just picking up every player on the market. You need to fit our DGPM methodology and the family because we're not just a bunch of players. Like we're here to help each other. We're going to have cross boundaries where players are helping players promote stuff and all that. Um, so we want to make sure that you, you fit the mold. So it's personality. It's um, basically rating. And then how much you're on tour is, is what we do to, to understand if we want to have that first conversation. All right, there you go. Well, Stephen, again, thank you so much for being on the show and I hope you have a wonderful evening. All right. You too. I appreciate it. Thank you again to Scans for being on the show and helping me understand more about the mission of the Disc Golf Player Management Group. You know, as someone that worked with players on the social media side, I'm glad to hear that the group is more than just an agency to get uh, more money for the players. Uh, they're going to keep the players accountable. That's something that was part of my job was trying to help keep the players accountable for what they needed to do on the social media side as part of their agreement. So I'm glad to know that Scans and his group is going to 
work with the players to make sure that there's a mutual benefit between the players and the manufacturers as far as their agreement. Real quick before I let you guys go, thank you to Door Discs for sponsoring this episode. I like to call Door Disc an online sleeper store. Hear me out. When highly sought after discs go on sale, I always see posts from people on social media saying that the big disc stores are sold out. Well, Door Disc, Shane out there in Wisconsin is growing his disc golf store. So, but he still gets these highly sought after discs but they don't sell out quite as fast. He still has them. So make sure when a big disc comes out that you check out doordisc.com and I bet you he's going to have them in stock. Now, when you do, make sure you use code DGAM for free shipping. That's doordisc.com, D-G-A-M. Use that code and get free shipping. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys.